Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? You know what's back, Amy? What? The NFL. Football is back. Football is on my TV right now as we record. So I'm kind of giving away the time. Actually, I do know that football is back because I came to record and um, was walking through the house and the kids asked, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to record. And Drew said, where are you going? And made it very clear that I needed to be in the office with the door shut because they're trying to watch NFL. So, yeah, it's on the TV in my house, too. There you go. Tied in the second quarter right now, 7-7, at least. Yes. As we record. So, yeah. sorry if I'm spoiling anybody. <laughs> if you're listening to this on Friday morning, Friday afternoon, yeah, we recorded on Thursday night. So, uh, obviously, because uh, football's on TV right now. Yeah. And that, that's like the most normal thing about 2020 yet, Amy. It seems like it. Everybody's very excited in this house about it, so... Keith's watching, kids are watching, the two dogs are probably watching, um, one dog doesn't care at all, and, you know. Yeah, how is life with a puppy, by the way, real quick? Anyone who has a puppy or has had a puppy knows that it's a busy couple of weeks. A lot of, lot, lot of cleaning and a lot of running outside real fast. But Okay. But also some nice little snuggles, everything. Have I talked about, have I told the name of the puppy on here? We go. I don't know if you've told it on here, though, but I just spoiled it for you. I'm sorry. So the name of the puppy is We Go, and my son named, it's it's his puppy. It's Drew's puppy, and he named the puppy this because then he'll say, here we go. Get it? Yep, and there we go. Yep. And so if you if you know yeah. Drew, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean that's like dad joke and in, built into the puppy's name. So I approve of that, by the way. Yes. So all right, Amy, we start with a legal update. Cue the sound. Uh, in Fort Worth, we have a legal filing this week. Southwestern Seminary and Baylor University have filed suit against the Harold E. Riley Foundation, which is a charitable foundation set up solely to benefit the schools. Give us a little explanation of what's going on here, Amy. Yeah, this is quite quite a rundown. So I'm going to probably do a lot of, if you've read the Baptist Press article, I'm going to pull some phrases just straight from it because it's the easiest way to explain it. So Baylor and Southwestern Seminary are... Uh, are, t- are standing together. They're working together in this suit and they have sued the Harold Riley foundation, alleging that some members of the board of the foundation led a quote. I'm, I'm com- pulling from the, the lawsuit, a secret coup in an attempt to seize control of the foundation and its assets that they altered the foundation's purpose stripped the schools of their rights and status as beneficiaries and misappropriated assets worth millions of dollars. So yes. they're they're taking this back to a meeting, an alleged meeting from June twenty eighteen. This is from two years ago. And we they, were in Dallas that day, by the way. We could have just yes, we shown were. up at the meeting, I guess, you know? Yeah. Possibly. So yeah, we so were they busy. Cl- 
Yeah. So they claim that the governing documents were improperly restructured. So they are, this is really rooted in process and procedure, things like that. And then they also state that the Riley Foundation is attempting to seize control of the board of directors of Citizens Insurance, which is a a publicly held insurance company. And so they're also saying that the Riley Foundation board is attempting to to seize control of that board. The Riley Foundation recently filed suit to force citizens to seat five directors from it. Yes. So, so there's a lot of here, lawsuits. Here's the connection here. So you've got two boards and everything, but the, the connection from the Riley Foundation to citizens, like you said, is the stock forms the primary assets of the foundation. So the foundation gets money in from the stock and from the the assets that it you know from stock sales or whatever that that fund it class a stock as well as class b stock right so that money then goes to baylor and southwestern so the 990 from 2018 as it says in the story right had two hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars that was paid out it was 100 to baylor 198 to southwestern so that's you know just investment income that goes into an endowment or whatever it may be at schools and the connection between the two come from the fact that harold riley Founded yes. Citizens Insurance. So it's yes, he it was, was his a, company. His father was a student at, at Southwestern. Right. And he went to Baylor. So that's why those two schools. Right. So he is he died a few years back, but Citizens Insurance was his company. And then this foundation was his charitable foundation. That's how they are connected. And then you just explain the financial connection. Yes. All right. Keep going. So with that Class B stock in Citizens Insurance, that means the foundation can seat five directors that are class B stockholding directors on the board. Okay. Some of the people who have been nominated to the board from the Riley foundation include former Southwestern president, Paige Patterson and trustees of the foundation, which also include former executive committee, vice president, Augie Bodo and current Southwestern trustee, Charles Hott, as well as the current executive director, president of the foundation, who is Mike Hughes, who used to be a former vice president at Southwestern. So a lot of connections, Southwestern, Southern Baptist Convention, the executive. Yeah, we need like a diagram. I need like a flow chart here or something like that. And also, according to the lawsuit, the positions on the citizens board that the Riley Foundation is trying to put these five directors, including, you know, Patterson, Bodo, Hot, Hughes, the board of directors spots are compensated annually in excess of a hundred thousand dollars. Yes. So they said a six figure sum. So that starts at a hundred thousand. So it's in excess of that. So whatever that may be. So the current Southwestern president, Adam Greenway, as well as the current Baylor president, Linda Livingstone, both quoted in the article uh, from Baptist press. Greenway described the actions by the Riley foundation as quote, self-appointed rogue leadership, end quote, in a statement by the school. Both Bodo and Hot talked on the record with Baptist Press. They are on the foundation board. Bodo calling the claims absurd, said the entire foundation board is committed to supporting the ongoing work of both Southwestern and Baylor for as long as possible and as well as possible. That's what Harold Riley wanted. We'll stay true to that assignment. And also, Dr. Patterson is quoted in Baptist Press. He gave a statement and said that to many of the friends of the Pattersons, my wife and I have been loyal and answered questions where we could. We are not part of any plan to usurp anyone's power or authority, no matter what allegations may arise. To the contrary, we have actually sought to assist Southwestern in a helpful and Christlike way without regard 
to their treatment of us, we rest our case with the Lord God. Dr. Patterson's involved in this with the Citizens Board, as well as one of the exhibits in the lawsuit. All of the stuff is linked at BaptistPress.com. You can go over there, find the story on the show notes, read the lawsuit yourself. But in Exhibit E is an email from Patterson to Bodo about getting hot onto the board of Southwestern back in 2017. And Hot said he didn't know anything about that, any plan. The, the lawsuit alleges it was part of, quote, a coordinated plan. So Hot denied that. Bodo also denied that, said that he would never do that, and he would never help someone get nominated. His role at the executive committee, that is, was not to act in that way. So like we said, the email, the entire lawsuit, everything is at BaptistPress.com. You can go read more. There's a lot of details in here. We're just kind of skimming the surface because this thing is really intricate. So I I think that about covers it, Amy. I think so. Yeah. The legal updates are always very interesting around here, but this one was a bit more complex than normal for me. I felt like my head was exploding. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of moving parts. Had to draw this one out. Yes. So yeah, there's a lot going on here. So go read the full story. It's over at BaptistPress.com and you can read the full lawsuit. The... There's another lawsuit involved in the citizens and uh, that's there too. Riley yep. Foundation thing. That's there too. So you can find all the information there. So just you can read it for yourself. So good news, Amy. We've got a new coworker. We do indeed. Executive Vice President Greg Addison. So that was a big announcement this week. Yeah, Greg comes to the executive committee from Arkansas where he was kind of the number two guy over there to Sonny Tucker, who's the executive director of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. So Greg's going to come in, and he's going to handle a lot of the convention policy stuff, as well as legal affairs for the EC, serve as a liaison to various SBC standing committees, and assist with orientation of new committee members and appointees. So we are excited about Greg. Amy, I, I, know, I don't know if you know Greg much. I, I've had the I've chance over him. the last year. Okay, you have not. Okay. I'm sure at some point you will meet him because you'll be in town for work or for an EC meeting at least. We, If we have those in person again uh, <laughs> at some point in 2021. Uh, but I'm sure you'll meet at some point. Yeah, I can't but wait. I, I've known him for, I've gotten to know him over the last six or seven months just because of some of the stuff going on in Arkansas. You know, we've talked on the phone. We hung out in Tucson a little bit at one of the state convention executive directors meetings. I really enjoyed my time with him over the few last few months getting to know him and really excited about him coming to the executive committee. So he also listened to the podcast, Amy. So he's a, he's a good friend of the pod. Excellent. So, good friend of the pod. So I can't wait to meet him in person. Yes. He likes my jokes. Does he? Well, maybe he'll, maybe he'll like my pup, my dog's name then. If that, yes, if he likes your so. jokes, it, yep. He'll like the dog. All right. We got Awesome. So, Greg, welcome to the executive committee. We're excited to have him. There's a lot more information about Greg. Uh, like we said, he's a former lawyer, uh, was at Bellevue Baptist Church, kind of born and raised uh, in the Memphis area, kind of reared at Bellevue. So uh, a long storied history and connection with Southern Baptist, especially in his work in Arkansas. And he also served the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. We're ex- really excited to have Greg. So congratulations, Greg. Can't wait to have you here in Nashville. Now, next Tuesday, Amy, we got an online rally. For the SBC annual meeting, because what comes at the beginning of October? Hotel reservations. Yes. So we're going to talk about that next Tuesday, two o'clock central on Facebook Live. Very exciting because everybody needs to start getting ready for October 1st 
as soon as hotel reservations open up, grabbing their rooms. Because yes. it's time to plan now. So the rally will be something to get everyone excited. Yeah. So if you don't have Facebook, you can still watch it online at sbcannualmeeting.net. You can also find hotel information as well as a map of where all the hotels that we have for the convention this year are. They're all over in that east uh, east of Nashville, over kind of by the Opryland area, uh, just north of the interstate. So if you know Nashville at all, everything's kind of on that Briley Parkway corridor. Yes. At least that Briley Parkway, not the other Briley Parkway. Or right. The it's Briley all Parkway. it's all like, around. It's all around the city. It's, but It's like Old Hickory Boulevard. You drive long enough and you'll hit Old Hickory Boulevard like 18 times. Yes. Here in town. Yes. So same thing with Briley. But anyway, so Tuesday, 2 o'clock Central on the Facebook Live page for the Executive Committee or at sbcannualmeeting.net. You can watch that. You hear from J.D. Greer, from Paul Chitwood, from Kevin Ezell, from Rusty Sumrall and Randy Davis, as well as Dr. Floyd. So exciting times on Tuesday. Join us online, sbcannualmeeting.net or the Executive Committee Facebook page. Now, some sad news, Amy. Georgia pastor Fred Evers passed away this past week. He was 64. Yeah, this was really sad. I heard about this just the other day. Just a tough story for someone who was clearly very respected by so many. So I never met Pastor Evers, but know a lot of people who cared deeply about him and just spoke so well of him. He had been diagnosed with esophageal cancer last year. Um, but he had con- and and was receiving treatment, but contracted the COVID nineteen virus, and that was just too much, I think. So, just really, really sad. One of those tough situations where obviously he was a, a very high risk for yeah because this. of the cancer yeah because mm-hmm. of the cancer treatments, and so just really sad to see that he was pastor of Northside Baptist Church in Tifton, Georgia. Yeah, pastored there for 21 years. Kind of a legend for Georgia Baptists over there. And uh, so we do wish his family the best, and uh, our thoughts and prayers are out to them. Also want to pray for Pastor Heath Lambert down at First Baptist Jacksonville, Amy. He announced this past Sunday he's going he's going to undergo brain surgery next Friday for a neurological condition. Yeah, this was kind of a shock to me. I just saw this pop up. And uh, so he, in 2017, started experiencing just some strange symptoms, uncontrolled movements in his face, neck, arm, hand, right side. And it was nerve damage that was caused by a compression of blood vessels in his brain. And so I think they were maybe watching it, trying some treatments, but it just became clear that this was absolutely necessary. And so on the 18th, next Friday, he will have that surgery. It looks like it is something that has a great likelihood of success, but certainly this is a very serious procedure. And so yes. he sent a message out to the church asking for prayers, but really everyone uh, needs to try and remember to pray for the Lamberts. Yeah, so he'll be away from the pulpit, obviously, for a while as he recovers. So uh, we do want to be in prayer for him. And, and just, you know, anytime the words brain and surgery are in the same sentence, that's very serious. Yes. So uh, we'll be in prayer for Heath as well as uh, the Faith family over at First Baptist Jacksonville. Uh, finally, Amy, don't want to uh, forget uh, the work is ongoing in Lake Charles and Southwest Louisiana. Some parts of Lake Charles still with no power. My parents got power about two to three days ago. I think it was Tuesday. My mom wow. texted me and said, hey, we got power back at the house. It had been two weeks. Man. And they live 100 miles inland. 
Mm-hmm. They live up, you know, between Fort Polk and Alexandria. So Rapides Parish, if you know your Louisiana geography, and I know you do, you know, that's not near the coast. I know. Yeah, you're all over it. You know exactly where that is. Sure. Pinpointed on a map. Louisiana is the one that shapes like a boot, Amy. I'm, uh, I'm but, aware. I'm aware. Okay, good. Not the mitten. That's mi- Michigan. Right. So anyway, yeah, it's still not good down in Southwest Louisiana. Still a lot of people without power and water. 140 Louisiana Baptist churches were damaged by Hurricane Laura. So a lot of damage down there, both for homes, for churches, businesses, the entire Southwest Louisiana area. It just really, and actually up into central Louisiana where my parents live. I mean, there's a lot of damage up in there too. So uh, a lot going on in Louisiana. I do want to continue to remember them and, and help out if you can. Uh, you can find last week's show notes. We had a bunch of links and how you can help out and give to that uh, relief effort down there. Yep. All right, that's going to do it for the news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, so we're going to go to 1976 to a story I found about uh, some Southern Baptists that were doing evangelism out in California. That's always a good thing, evangelism. We're pro that. Yes, so they were evangelizing Outlaw Bikers to Christ. They were called Christ Patrol. It's the Christ Patrol Motorcycle Group. Paging Kevin Smith. And the story in Baptist Press says that members of this motorcycle group used to ride with gangs like the Chosen Few, Devil's Own, Hells Angels, Coffin Cheaters, Misfits, Hangmen, and Highwaymen. Wow. And now they were part of Christ Patrol Motorcycle Group says they had that they answer to names like Pigpen, Meat Man, Big Daddy, Blade, Vulture, lots of different names. So you always want to be in front of Pigpen when you're riding down the road. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Is that how that works? Yes. So Blade was interviewed. And that's also for this probably Mr. Pigpen to me. That's right. So, uh, Blade, I his, Blade, whose name was Philip Smith, he's at First Baptist Church, Rubido, California. He was national president of the motorcycle group. He said they try to persuade outlaw bikers to turn from violence, drugs, you know, substances to turn to Christ. And they have a they had a national organization. Maybe they still do. I don't know. National organization know. in Ontario, California. What, what was the name of the group again? Christ Patrol. And so then there's this whole story about this group and about the the leader of it. So the guy said he, this is Blade again. He was 20 years old, was working in a factory, and there was a Bible student working next to him. And he said, I told him if I if he mentioned Christ once more, I'd put his lights out. He did, and I went to swing on him, but I was paralyzed and couldn't do it. Like, he froze. He said, I ended up shaking hands with him. And he th- and he was convinced he'd experienced a miracle, so he enrolled in Bible college. He did mission work in five foreign countries. And so he was working as a traditional Christian evangelist. But then he started feeling called to win bikers to Christ. And that's what he did. So this whole story, it is very interesting, all the things that they would do to reach people. I got to tell you, though, it was really just the names. I was like, I got to throw this out that it's a story in Baptist Press that mentions a guy named Pigpen. 
Wait, you said this guy's name was Philip Smith, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so he's got a book called Rebels on Wheels. Really? The Christ Patrol Story, Reverend Philip Blade Smith. Well, there you go. That's him. It was published in 2002. Yeah. Um. He. Yeah, it's him right here. Well, Baptist Press was covering him. He's a saxophonist. Him. He's a saxophonist. There you go. Well, Baptist Press was covering him in 1976, the year I was born, by the way. So I was like three months old at this point. Could care less. But very interesting. So we were talking, you know, we're always looking for good feature stories at SBC Life. Uh, but there was a good one this week in SBC History about very creative evangelism opportunities that people were seizing and reaching bikers for Christ. All right. Now, how many SBC leaders, pastors do we know that are like really into the bike? I mean, like Kevin Smith has a bike the executive director of the Maryland-Delaware State Convention. I don't know if I would call him a biker. Uh, he might be insulted by that, but I, I, you know, I don't think of him as a biker per se. I think of him as a guy with a bike. Let me just, All right. let me just say that I'm going to let, me. I'm gonna let you let hang me go out, out on, that limb? on your own for processing this out loud and deciding what you're going to say. I have nothing to say about that. But, I mean, how many more do we know? I mean, I know Polly Rouse, who's the pastor at Hermitage Hills here in town. Yeah. Uh, in, in Nashville, on the east side of town over in Hermitage. He's a big biker guy. Yeah. I George, know that. George Robinson, who uh, is on faculty oh, at Southeastern. South yeah. Yeah. He's bikes. Okay. He's a biker. Um. Well, so that's three. I'm sure there's many more. So if you're a biker and you listen to SBC This Week, let us know what's going on. And and Yeah, is, tag us. You know, I need to see if uh, Philip Smith is still around. So Definitely. this would be a fascinating story. And yes. uh, But yeah, there's a book on, uh, it's called Rebels on Wheels, The Christ Patrol Story, published well, in 2002. Yeah. And you can buy a soft cover for twenty nine ninety nine. So it's still available in print, it looks like. There you go. So yeah, that, that's wild. I, I had no idea. So um, there you go. Wow. Did yep. not see that coming. All right. Um, well, thanks, Amy. You, you seem to dig up these stories. I Every now and then I like to throw in one that has lots of fun names in it. Yes. You just so. went with this for Blade. Yeah. There's an article jumps. in the Dayton Daily News from 1975 also about the Christ Patrol. Yeah. So. There you yeah. go. Got the Google working over here. All right. On to the resources. Of the week. I, was in a re- I was in a meeting today, Amy, and- one of the guys in the meeting said that of, of he listened to the podcast and said that the resources of the week are his favorite part because we find stuff that he may not have known about. Well, that's cool. So I just thought I'd pass that on. That's good to know. So Greg liked the jokes, though. <laughs> that's 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 all you. You're the funny guy. Yes. You're the funny one. Hey, we're like the Laurel of Hardy of the SBC, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, on to the resources of the week. Your resource of the week is? Mine is a USA Today article. That I was very excited about this week. It is about how Americans are buying, building, and converting backyard sheds into oh, home offices. Our friend is in the in the article. Yes, I so, forgot. Yes, so it's an article. It, it, it's exactly what the headline said. It's about people who take sheds in the backyard and convert them into home offices. And Julie Masson, who has been our friend for a long time, 
Really good friend of the pod. Yes. And she is the marketing director for the ERLC now, but she's actually done, she's worked for IMB. She has done stuff. She's, did she do stuff for Lifeway? I'm not sure if she did. She, yeah, she wrote um, in a, one of the magazines like for the last two or three years. Yeah. Uh, she wrote a yeah. teen so column she, or whatever. Yeah. So she's done stuff like all over the convention. Um, incredibly talented. So she and her husband basically took this project on and they made a, a shed. It's like a 120 square foot shed in the backyard, built it and... That's where her office is because she's a remote worker, has been for a long time. And so Mm -hmm. she's in the she's in this USA Today article. There's a picture of them sitting out front, uh, out front and at the door of the shed. And then there's a picture of her sitting inside working. And I was so excited about this. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to share. So So if so, check out Julie. But also, if you're thinking about doing something like this, you might learn something from the article. Yeah, I think they said they they built it during the covid quarantine and it it was like the total cost was around five grand for everything. And Jesse built this. And that and that included Jesse rocked it. Yes. And that included office furniture. The five thousand dollars was everything. So, yes. And it's so funny. I don't know if you saw her Instagram post this week. So she lives in Kansas City. There was a little cold snap that came through the Midwest this week. There was oh, like snow in Denver. Yes. So she's out there working and it's like like 50 degrees. So it's pretty cool. So she turns her wall unit. She's got like a wall unit, AC unit or whatever, and like turns it and then realizes it's AC only. It's not heat. It's not going to So she had to run to Menards thing. and get a one of those little fireplace things, you know, the electric fireplaces or whatever yeah. that she had for some rebates or something that she went and, and Yeah, so she she's needed learning her, learning as she goes. Her office. So I've not I've not been there for her office obviously. I mean, I've been to Kansas City quite a bit. I actually visited her. She used to work at she she leased out a place at WeWork. Yes. And I'd visited her at her office. I I put that in air quotes because it was about the size of my desk that I'm working at right now. It was like barely enough room for you to turn around inside. Cause she basically had a phone booth type office yeah. at WeWork that she would work at, but you know, she's leasing that per month, but she wound up saying, you know what? Look, I'd rather work at the house a little bit easier, but I need a dedicated space. So we're going to build this right. shoe shed. So well, I love how awesome. it ends with her saying that at the end of the day, she lowers her standing desk. She walks out the door, turns around, locks it. And then, makes her commute across the backyard yes so very cool that's really cool so and it it looks fantastic jesse killed it i mean he like he did such a good job with that yes yep very very cool all right so yeah do check out that article over at usa today all right mine is actually it's kind of two two things it's one it's a report on the future of missions that the imb partnered with barna on so they had a little thing this week that they released that on uh, a little webcast. You can go back and watch that. But they've also got a big webcast coming next month, October 29th, 7 p.m. on IMB's Every Church, Every Nation Summit. So they're going to talk about the future of missions as part of this big webcast. It's next month, October 29th, 7 p.m. We need to get behind this because, uh, I mean, the, the SBC, we're here for missions, right? We're here f- to take the gospel to every town and every city and every state and every nation. We do that through going. This will help us understand where we need to go and how we need to go and the future of missions. So I am recommending this week the IMB's Every Church, Every Nation Summit, October 29th, 7 p.m. I think that's Eastern. 
and also the full report of the future of missions. So the links are at Baptist Press in the article down there, and uh, we'll link to that. So uh, you can check that out. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week here on the podcast. Amy, football's back. There's a chill in the air in some parts of the country. Fall has arrived. It has indeed. I am so ready for it. Absolutely. So, Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.